0: Make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And with that, let's continue with your show.
1: Nowadays, technology and design in the automotive industry are facing unique challenges. From creating experiences that emotionally involve the customers to being inclusive, the designers are thriving to cope up with the latest trends and technology. If yesterday, the goal was to create desirable products in terms of aesthetics and performance, today is a matter of building an articulated universe of values that can fulfill the customer's needs and desires. So how can designers create a lasting impact on the minds of users using design? To know more about this theme, in this episode, we interact with Pratap Bose, Vice President of Global Design at Tata Motors. With over two decades of global experience across various cultures, he has developed a unique understanding of diverse business cultures. And that's why on our journey of discovering Design hearing, we talk to him about Gearing Automotive Industry. Hello Pratap and welcome to Avantika Design hearing podcast series. It's an honor and pleasure to host you on our show today.
2: Thank you, thank you, Rohit. What a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm really, uh, I'm really glad we could we could do this. So, Pratap,
1: as our icebreaker question for designers, the design is a part of their everyday life. These creative minds are always trying new techniques to level up their skills and experience by overcoming new challenges. My question to you is: How can designers? come out of their comfort zone to embrace something completely different
2: yeah very good question actually uh, rohit this this uh, is something of course i have faced in my life as well through through my journey as a designer starting as a young junior designer fresh from college and to you know today in a in a sort of management role uh, it's very important that uh, you know designers do step out of their comfort zone not only in the creative side you know that happens as a natural part of the process but very important to understand where you, he or she fits in a larger scheme of things, in a, in a business. See, design is a business and it's very important to understand that. And unfortunately, you know, through our design education and even early parts of design practice, you don't actually realize how important that is. So, so I for example took many many management courses i've been uh, been lucky in the company that uh, you know that allowed us to do that i've taken many management business management courses along the way in finance in marketing in uh, uh, you know in in uh, strategy uh, you know so various parts of other parts of the business are as important to understand because if you don't understand those levers uh it makes it very hard for you to contribute to the growth and success of a company or your organization so what i would say to to designers young and old is actually start understanding the other parts of the business hr for example how does that impact uh, you know your final outcome Uh, i mentioned finance who pays for design within a company uh, how how does design uh, actually earn its keep in a in a large organization these are very very important to to know so and that got me out of my comfort zone you know because i didn't uh, you know you don't uh, when you're when you're doing a course on finance or you're doing a course on marketing or on hr you know you're really exposed and it's very important to to be in that situation uh, you know so i i made sure and my company and i made sure that throughout my career i had exposure to other management and other business disciplines and uh, that has been very important for me wow that's
1: an interesting advice um, and suggestion in fact uh, Pratap, you have an experience of more than two decades and from drawing cars in the textbooks to leading a team of 200 plus designers at tata motors we would love to hear about your professional journey. How did this all happen? Did you plan it this way? Was it by chance? How, how, how did you carve out all of these things? Uh,
2: yeah, that's a good question because, you know, uh, some things you can plan and some things you can't. And, um, you know, let me just start. I think, uh, you know, I always wanted to be a car designer. But in those days when I was studying at NID in the 90s, there was no specific car design course So, of course, I did product design, you know, as a a specialization, but I chose automotive uh, projects. You know, uh, NID was an open enough uh, educational institute to not dictate what you did. So I chose many automotive projects and, uh, you know, to keep my uh, interest alive in car design. And that's what I wanted to become. When I graduated, uh, I I got an offer to do a six-month internship in an Italian company called Piaggio. And, uh, you know, I was on a plane and I flew to uh, to a small town called Pontedera, uh, near Pisa, if all of you know, that's in Tuscany, near Pisa. And I started working there. And there you have to really dig deep because you don't understand the language, the culture, uh, any of that. And there your skills as a designer, you know, the language of drawing actually uh, saves you. And and that's something you rely on. Your design skills really uh, see you through some of those hard Hardest times where your language is falling short, uh, drawing becomes your language. And I, you know, it was supposed to be a six-month internship. I landed up spending two and a half years there. Uh, it was a brilliant place to to actually, uh, you know, practice design. As you all know, Italy is one of the those those sort of meccas of design. So I was very fortunate to, uh, to do well there. I still wanted to, of course, study car design, which, as you know, uh, like I mentioned, I didn't get a formal chance to do and that appointed me towards the royal college of art i applied there i got a scholarship and i and i moved from italy to london uh, again a great place to to just be in rca is the only uh, fully post grad uh, design college in the world so everyone who came there already had some experience uh, in in the professional world so you know your interactions with your class classmates and and the faculty was at another level uh, and also they like i said it was a worldwide audience so in your class you had people from seven or eight or 10 you know different nationalities and that cultural understanding also is as important as the technical understanding so from there i graduated i moved to japan i got an offer to work in in mitsubishi in those days so i took that up again you know you you get uh, out of your comfort zone going back to your first question actually you don't know the language, you don't know the people, you don't know the culture, nothing. But again, you dig deep and you pull out the skills as a designer and that sees you through. So I worked in Mitsubishi and then moved to uh, Daimler Chrysler Japan where I worked in the Mercedes-Benz Advanced Studio that was in Yokohama. And then, you know, quite by chance, I was visiting the Delhi Motor Show with my then boss at Mercedes, Colivia Boulay. And I ran into Mr. Ravi who was the, the managing director of... Uh, Tata Motors, this is 2006. And this is where, you know, you have to make some opportunities for yourself as well. So some come to you, but some you got to make. And uh, I remember walking up to Mr. Kant, he was very gracious, you know, to just speak to a young designer. And I said, you know, I would like to, uh, I've worked for two or three global companies, I would like to work in an Indian company. And that was a time, you know, they were establishing a, a, a European design and technology facility. And uh, you know, one thing led to another. I met Mr. Tata on the back of that first meeting with Mr. Kant, and then I moved to you know from Japan all the way to to Coventry, you know, uh, other side of the world. And yeah, I've been I've been here since 2007. Uh, you know, seen and done a lot. And uh, the the message is basically, you know, you have to create your own own chances. Had I not walked up to Mr. Kant, uh, you know, in 2006 in Delhi. Had I not taken the opportunity to go to to Italy, had I not, uh, you know, really pushed hard to get into the Royal College, and then you know take that job uh, in in Japan, you know, you can't let fear and and apprehension drive your career. You have to really give yourself the chance. And believe me, if your fundamentals are strong, uh, you know, as as a designer or as as any other. Uh, profession if your fundamentals are strong you can always rely on that to to build uh, you know build for the future and i had great experiences in in all of these you know three or four countries companies places worked with so many types uh, of people you know germans in japan japanese in 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 germany uh, the other way around uh, you know at tata motors we have designers from 13 different countries uh, so this cultural understanding, the understanding of the business, creating some chances, making, making good on those opportunities. I think all of that has sort of helped me along the way, uh, Rohit.
1: Wow, this is really interesting. Though I have one question here, Pratap, did Japanese. you finally learn how to speak Japanese?
2: Yes, yes. You uh, <laughs> again, you know, you of course it's 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 a it's a very um, business like you know simple form of Japanese. Uh, You know, it's not, uh, you know, technical Japanese, but it was enough to, you know, sort of get me around uh, Japan and and, uh, connect with my Japanese colleagues. Of course, being a German company, the working language was was English. Uh, Everyone had to know English to work at uh, Daimler Chrysler Japan. But, you know, when you want to make personal and emotional and human connections, it's always important to learn the language. So, yeah, I did learn Japanese by the time I uh, sort of came out of it. Learning Italian was a lot easier because you can start reading from day one, because they use you know the the, the same uh, script. script. Yeah, but, but Japanese is harder, so you can't actually read anything, you know. So um, so it was much more uh, a phonetic uh, approach to learning Japanese.
1: Super. So you know, for my audience, uh, for our listeners, and and uh, Pratap as well. Digressing here a little from the world of design. But mm-hmm. any striking one exciting thing, Pratap, uh, that you learnt about business culture in, in any one of these countries or organizations also or, or economies, uh, to you know, put it in a broader uh, aspect, that all our young professional listeners should try to imbibe early in their careers?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing when you do join any company in any country, you have to understand, uh, you have to first have an understanding for culture and a respect for that culture. You know, why things happen in the way they do in in certain companies and certain uh, countries. You know, and like I said, uh, you know, it's a a very interesting mashup that I had, you know, working with Italians in Italy and then Germans in Japan and, uh, you know, and of course, Japanese. And then in this in this company, like I said, you know, we have 13 different nationalities. We have suppliers, which are global, who I visit in China, in Korea, in rest of Europe. So it's very important to understand culture, why it exists, why it is like that. And then, you know, respect that. I think the biggest uh, problem people have is they, they don't respect a, a certain culture, be it a company or a country. And I think if you can appreciate and then respect that, And you can only respect it if you understand it, if you make the effort to understand it. See, no one will uh, do it the other way around. A German will never tell you why he's German or why he's the way he is, he or she or, you know, and anyone. Uh, You know, so the onus is on you when you come into a company or a country to make that effort to understand what drives that culture. And I'll give you a simple example. I mean, like I said, I, I moved from Italy where everything's so relaxed, you know, we would have wine for lunch even, uh, you know, it's just not even a, a question. And then you move straight to Japan, you know, from, from that sort of situation. So one day I was in, in the modeling studio where the cars are, you know, clay models are built. So there's lots of machines, etc., milling machines, this and the other. And I had, for some reason, my hands were in my pocket. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, this this guy, health and safety officer of the company, with a helmet and an armband and everything, walk, you know, runs in and uh, gesticulates wildly. You know, get your hands out of the pocket because he he knew I couldn't understand Japanese. And uh, you know, and I, I I did that. I got my hands out of my pocket. You know, and then he left. And I asked one of my colleagues, "That you know, what was that about?" So he said, "You know, that's the safety culture we drive in in this company." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, look, you're in a workshop environment where the models are being made. If you were to trip on something, you would not be able to get your hands out from your pocket fast enough to, to sort of break your fall, you know, and that could cause an injury. So, yeah, one way to look at it is it's so bizarre and you laugh at it. But the other way is that, you know, this may have happened before. And uh, there's a reason why, you know, the things are. And and yeah, I never put my hands in my pocket again after that, you know, in, in the workshop. And I still I still do that today. You know, so uh, it's just one of those interesting things, you know, Uh, and there are hundreds like that. There are hundreds like that, you know, of experiences and examples. Hey, did you know Tata Motors is present today in more than 175
1: countries around the world with more than 8.5 million vehicles of the Tata brand? The company is well known in the automobile markets worldwide. That's definitely a valuable suggestion, Pratap, and I've always believed in the power of culture. In fact, my next question um, is is related to that. So you've been associated with Tata Motors since 2011. You've worked across three in-house design centers, uh, Pune, Turin in Italy, and European Technical Center in the United Kingdom, leading Mm -hmm. a team of more than 200 designers. The question that I have is, how do you foster a symbiotic practice that turns a group of individual contributors into a team?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just correct you there. I've actually been in the company since 2007. Uh, 11 is when I sort of became head of design. Uh, But yeah, I was there, you know, for four years before that as well, um, working in in the UK studio. And, uh, you know, first, the first thing is, you know, uh, when we were creating these studios, I was really lucky to actually expand and create the studios. In fact, the UK one, we pretty much started from scratch. Um, I chose people uh, in the team, Rohit, which is very important. I chose people, a certain kind of people for the team. And by, by that, I mean not the same, you know, everyone being the same, having the same idea. No, it's a certain... Um, uh, you know, personality who is open, who's able to work with, with multiple challenges, who is self-driven, who is, uh, who can work in a team. You know, that's the kind of mindset I chose of people in my first line, uh, at least. You know, it wasn't only about the skill and the talent and, you know, where they had worked before. And I chose a lot based on personality, Uh, you know, the entire first line. And they're all different personalities, by the way. They all have their own opinion on what what should and should not be, uh, you know, our next product or project. But the common thing is that they 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 respect each other they respect others work they uh, they respect uh, you know what the company is trying to do in the markets we operate what is our corporate and and group you know philosophy uh, these are very important again goes back to culture you know so i i made sure that we had a cultural fit in my in my first line and then of course they hired their own people so you don't hire in your own image that's very dangerous. You don't hire 180 Pratap bosses uh, or, you know, XYZ. You hire individuals with, with talent, of course. But when there's a choice between two or three people that you have to recruit, you always, always choose the one who has a personality which is uh, which will work, which will work across, like you said, these three geographies. So the first thing was to, you know, make them all understand that it's not three three studios and three teams. It's actually one team which happens to be in three different locations. That's very important. So we went from a three-team structure to a one team in three locations. And that really helped because, you know, with the lockdown, we actually became 180 design studios. You know, each each person's house became a studio. And as long as you, you, you make it very clear where each person's contribution is and how it counts and how it interlocks with someone else, I find it, uh, you know, it's a a very, very powerful way of getting people to work together. Everyone respects each other. Uh, They know what what skills and strengths they have. And that's how it all comes together. So currently, uh, Rohit, you know, it's not three studios. Like I said, it's 180 individual (laughs) studios. And we're still delivering, you know, we have to. Business doesn't stop. So
1: well, This is this is so exciting, Pratar, that, you know, you would want to book someday another time slot with you and only and only talk about these 180 people and your journey uh, at Tata Motors because there's so much uh, to learn from this experience. But while we are at that and, and in the interest of time, I would want sure. to jump into the world of design And, uh, you know, uh, get your um, opinion on that. So in one of your interviews, Pratap, you spoke about the birth of the Impact 3.0 design language. Mm
0: -hmm. The
1: question that I have is how different will be the Impact 3.0 from the Impact 2.0 design language? And what challenges do you face while shaping up the new Impact 3.0?
2: yeah great great question so i to understand 3.0 actually you have to understand 1.0 you know i always say uh, mind share leads to market share i can't say that enough it's it's a very very important thing that people don't really focus on and what is mind share mind share is nothing but being in the top two or three consideration set of any any business that you're in so you could be like you know a design college you could be a product you could be a delivery service you could be an airline you could be a car maker if you are not in the top 3 consideration set of people who are having a conversation at a dinner table or at a party or at a, over a coffee you have no chance of of uh, you know a, a market share a business success because you know as i say people don't consider you and uh, while i joined in 2007 8 you know we had huge mind share because of the nano and other great products over time we, we started sort of losing that that steam and we, we saw that we are, we are you know we're losing customers. And this is because we had lost mind share. And that's when I uh, you know sort of uh, told the management that we need to get it back into people's minds, in their heads. And you know how do you do that? You do that do that through design. because people are consuming everything uh, you know through a, a five inch mobile phone screen. So I said, if our cars don't look amazing on that screen in the first 20 seconds, uh, you would have lost the customer because you can, ha- you can talk about the engine, you can talk about performance and space and God knows what else. But if they've already moved on, you have no story. And by the way, no one will bother even coming to the showroom. So my first focus was therefore getting this impact on a small screen, on, a, on, on digital media, Uh, So the cars had to look amazing. We worked very hard on the proportions, on the details. And that was Impact 1.0. So what does it mean? Create immediate impact on first sight and then lasting impact over time. That means once you have bought the car, uh, once you do go to the showroom and buy the car, over the life of the car, you fall in love with it. And that's lasting impact. So that's the core of impact design. So Impact 1.0, we had to shout a little louder because no one was hearing us so the design language was a little dialed up impact 2.0 we actually toned it back down again because people knew about us they were buying our products and uh, you know we just enforced what impact 1.0 did and 3.0 the ch- the great thing about 3.0 it was it's all been created in these these last uh, you know 10 months of lockdown and like i said you know we are 180 different st- design studios now because each designer's house is a studio and we created Impact 3.0 in this sort of challenging period, and Impact 3.0 will be again, you know, will as we come out of this this lockdown, the world is one is going to want to open up again, experience more, uh, do more things. You know, there's going to be a massive YOLO moment. You only live once, so uh, a bit of hedonism, but with responsibility. So the Impact 3.0 design language will actually bring out that. Uh, that feeling that that we are going to see uh, coming, uh, you know, to customers, a little more flamboyance, a little more flair, um, you know, so it's a, it's a nice, strong, refined, appealing, clear uh, design language that will emerge from from this lockdown through Impact 3.0. Well,
1: that's really interesting. And um, I think it's going to give a chance to more exciting innovations and designs in due course of time. In fact, yeah. um, you know, Pratap, building a product from scratch is a very complex process with, you know, many threads. And um, as, as, as you quote, from sheet of paper to sheet of steel, as far as Starter Motors is concerned, we would mm-hmm. love to know your roadmap for developing a product that optimizes the production process. And if you could just give our listeners a glimpse and help them visualize how does this really happen.
2: Yeah so this is a good question again you know finally whatever products we we design in a studio have to be manufactured and 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 sold and and created you know we don't sell a a pretty picture right we sell a, a physical product that someone has to touch feel um you know drive uh, sit in so there are lots of considerations and and the complexity of course there's a technical complexity a car is in itself You know, if you look at just the dashboard, the number of elements that you've got to integrate in just a dashboard, headlights, taillights, these are are products in themselves. These are sort of specializations in themselves. They are so technically complex from the legal, manufacturing, optics, you know, all that point of view. If you look at just a headlamp today, uh, it's a product design exercise in itself. So uh, a car actually brings in together a lot of these diverse uh, disciplines. And, and even if you look at materials in a car, there's, of course, there's sheet metal, but there's, there's probably 20, 30 different types of plastics, um, you know, that are made by different suppliers, and they all come together in the car. So the way you specify paint on a, on a plastic bumper uh, and the way you specify paint on a, on a sheet metal part is completely different because the process of applying it is different. Uh, but still, when a bumper comes together on a, on a car, it has to be the same color as the rest of the car. You remember those horrific days in the 90s where you, you, you would see this huge difference of color between a bumper and the rest of the car, you know. Um, so those are some of the complexities. And uh, don't forget, all of this is also a very expensive process. A new car Development can cost anywhere between, you know, seven hundred to uh, eleven hundred crores. So just think of that again: seven hundred to eleven hundred crores. So you can imagine how much is riding on on the design of a of a car. Uh, how many jobs are dependent on it? You know, so that's a huge responsibility as well for a designer to shoulder. Um, you know, because if it goes wrong, there's an opportunity for the the consequence of that can be pretty alarming you know like I said in terms of people's livelihoods so the car industry and the stakes are very high Uh, so you have to operate therefore in this sort of complex environment legislation competition uh, you know the investment involved uh, and then the pure pure technical aspects of it like I said you know so many materials and processes come together in a car I don't think there's a single industrial process that is not in a car Um, you know you name it it's there uh, so, yeah, uh, uh, and goes back to my first question, therefore, that, uh, or the first question you asked. Therefore, the more you understand about every other discipline besides yours, of course, you have to be a great designer, no doubt, but being, being a good designer, in my view, is much beyond being able to draw on a piece of paper. It is about being able to take these diverse, in many cases, you know, opposing forces. Uh, that go into uh, car development, and then try and find the right balance, uh, you know, to put into a car. There are lots of discussions that we have on a daily basis as a company, as you can imagine, uh, because of these uh, opposing forces, you know, I want the wheels to be bigger, but then uh, someone from the chassis department uh, says, but oh, that'll compromise on the turning circle or the ride quality. So how do you find that? that balance is very very important as a designer you cannot just have a position and say okay it's my way or the highway you have to understand where to make the right trade offs and when you make the the right trade offs as a company and uh, you know and and you as a design team that's when you come up with one of these great products you know uh, any any great product is a is a outcome of of the right trade offs that a company has taken internally and uh, this is very important. You know, it's like a balanced meal. You can't have too much sugar or you can't have too much uh, salt. Uh, you can't have too much chili. You know, it's always when the balance is right is is when you get the right, you know, taste or, or, or outcome. Interesting. In fact, Pratap, you know, this,
1: this also brings me to a very interesting question that from actually having art boards to sketch it manually to now digitally make a model of it on the backbone of a software do you think you know uh, this is hampering the freedom and creative process of young designers what are your thoughts on uh, you know the virtual world compared to physically actually sketching a car model
2: yeah i mean i always say you know the best software is the one between your ears you know it's your it's your mind it's your brain i always tell that and in fact you know, the design process that we follow is also very traditional in some senses. I mean, the the young designers still start with a, a ballpoint pen on paper, you know, on napkins, on on sketchbooks or whatever it is. It's only the balance of, of when digital and other technologies come in. You need to understand when to bring that in. Uh, you know, today you cannot have a purely manual process or a purely digital process. You have to have a hybrid process that that actually, uh, you know, journeys between these two worlds. And uh, you have to get that balance right. So, you know, uh, uh, why, why do I say you can't have a purely manual process? You can't because there are so many more stakeholders today in creating a car. You know, a supplier could be sitting in Korea or China or Coimbatore, and you've got to get data to him. So the only way to do that is have a digital process. For example, other parts of the the engineering teams they need data so that they can start doing structural analysis etc but we also have like i said a very analog process the each car goes through a clay modeling phase which is very very lovingly uh, you know sculpted by our clay sculptors and then we laser scan that and it goes back into the digital world so this digital physical balance uh, to get that right is very, very important. And many, many companies don't get that right, actually. And because, you know, someone in the in the management may feel, oh, we should go all digital. What's the point of clay models? Or someone in the management says, no, we should only do clay models. Forget all this technology and all that. So, you know, all this will come. But, but the core of it remains the creative mind of the designer, you know, to be able to really see what doesn't exist. We are the only people in, in any company which can do that. You know, a lot of people can project the future. They can write, a, they can put a PowerPoint uh, about that together. But if you have to visualize the future, only a designer can do that uh, to put, you know, to put it all into something that you can touch, feel, discuss. Only the design team in a company can do that. Uh, you know, finance guys can make financial models, projections, etc., etc. But uh, it's still not the object, you know, so, um, so like I said, the core is, is the software between your ears. It never lets you down. Uh, you know, your computer can crash, your software can, your license can expire. But always to be able to pick up a, a, a pen and, and draw ideas on a, on a sheet of paper is, is core to what we do. But then, yes, understanding that balance. So, again, digital allows you, for example, to try out multiple options. If you want to do a grill, if you want to do details for wheels, you know, you can see them, visualize them very, very quickly. And we have we've started using software from the gaming world. You know, it's called Blender and others for visualization, which are very light, easy to learn, free software. So most designers have in this uh, lockdown in Tata Motors, they've basically taught themselves how to use Blender and uh, it creates 3D models, which you can then render and we can share with our management. So yeah, it cuts down time. It cuts down a lot of iteration cost, but if you don't have the idea, the the basic core idea, you know, no software in the world saves you. Hey, did you know tata motors amazed
1: everyone at the 2020 auto expo by announcing the revival of the country's most famous model the tata sierra ev concept in the early 90s the car was hailed as one of india's most efficient suvs focused on CES connected electric shared and safe well said, absolutely well said. And while we are talking about you know, digital versus the physical world, one of the other exciting trends in the automotive design industry's future is the demand for EVs or electric vehicles, uh, which are increasing exponentially. However, one of my observations, Pratap, is that the design remains the same as a normal gasoline or a petrol car. The question is, why is this so? And what difference can we make, uh, you know, as far as designing EVs uh, in in a, in a different way?
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And this, this Rohit is purely because of the market economics. I mean, uh, if you look at the, if I take the Indian, uh, you know, we sell, for example, we are a market leader in India now uh, on EVs. We have the Nexon EV. We 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 incredibly we sold three thousand uh, Nexon EVs in a year, but. Uh, uh, you know we sell uh, close to 9 or 10000 uh, ic engines uh, of the nexon in one month you know so uh, so 3000 a year to you know 10000 a month is a huge difference so you know for some foreseeable time i think in india at least you know evs will be based on their ic engine brother you know again because of the investment and and uh, the economics involved but This is not to say that there's not going to be a tipping point. I think that tipping point will come, where the EV will become the the lead. And and let's say the the ICE engine uh, car will follow. Now, it's anyone's guess when that will happen. You are all seeing where fuel prices have gone. Maybe that accelerates it. Maybe there's something else. It's a combination of factors, of course. But we at Tata Motors, for example, are very bullish on EVs. Our Nexon has exceeded any expectation we had. And uh, you know we can't make enough, uh, but yes, the architecture, the basic architecture, is based on an electrified um, IC engine uh, product. There's no 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 doubt about that. But already, you know, we are th- we and others are started to think of a dedicated architecture, maybe a dedicated platform, um, you know, which which really optimizes uh, the use of batteries. Uh, and all of that. And I think, Rohit, if I'm honest with you, it'll probably come sooner rather than later. That tipping point will come. And uh, we all in the auto industry are looking at that. The second thing is that EVs today are still slightly more expensive. So a customer coming off an IC engine car is, is in a way, in inverted commas, taking slight uh, risk, let's say, uh, you know, because it's it's still something which is quite novel and new in India. So if you also change the shape and the way it looks, you know, you're asking the customer to probably take two jumps. You know, one is, of course, the technology, which he anyway has to kind of absorb and understand. He's taking a slight risk there. And the second one is if you change the shape radically, you know, you're asking him to make yet another mental shift. So I think the first focus is get them onto EVs first. Let them understand and realize what the technology does, yes, in a in a in a familiar shape, you know. And then I think the next gen, you know, once EVs are are sort of mainstream and accepted, I'm I'm sure the next generation of EVs will look very very different.
1: Absolutely, and we are excited to actually, uh, you know, be a part of the entire boom. I think. Uh, a much needed uh, initiative and glad that all of the major companies are getting into it in the interest of time pratap yes. uh, moving on to our next question uh, you know while we keep talking about ev technology is hitting a common level which uh, uh, which is that every uh, company can supply the same technology as their competitors do at the same time, the design is something that differentiates between these brands. How does your team at Tata Motors stay ahead of the competitors in doing that? Because I see that there would be a huge amount of pressure on the design team uh, to actually create the differentiation out there.
2: Yes, you're absolutely right, Rohit. Uh, you know, technology is such a quick-moving target. In, in fact, if you, uh, if you look at the... Uh, you know the development timeline of a of a new car you know which is about 40 months uh, 40 to 48 months in that time four generations of iPhone would have come out by the time you design one car, you know so so that just shows the the speed of technology uh, you know around you so so you got to be ahead of the curve basically and that's where I think again design plays a huge role you know what are the future facing, features or needs of a customer that we can't see today but will emerge in the lifetime of the development of the car like i said 40 months is a long time in a consumer electronics world for example right because four generations of four or five generations of uh, consumer electronics would have come out in that time by the time you do one car you know so so we have to uh, you know build in uh, future proofing in our design uh, you know we accommodate for example you could start a project and you know the the industry standard is let's say a eight inch uh, screen but by the time you launch it it's all of a sudden it's 12 inches how do you accommodate that you know so that's one side which is the technology side the second is like you said the brand side uh, what is your message to the customer what is your voice uh, you know we say design language language is something therefore you communicate with so what are our cars saying? To our customers. Our cars are our spokespeople, our spokespersons, our cars are our brand ambassadors. You know, I can sit and give a lecture, but finally it's the car which does the talking on the showroom floor or on the street. So we we try very hard to put a message into our cars. And the message is simple: that you know, Tata Motors makes 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 it easy for you to access your dreams and access your ambitions. You know, we get people uh, sending me photographs and us pictures of of their cars, either at delivery or where they've gone with them. And believe me, Rohit, you know, the Tiago has been to Khardungla. It has been to the desert of Rajasthan. Uh, The Harrier has driven across rivers in in Goa. You know, the Nexon EV has gone to, uh, you know, has done uh, record-breaking, you know, distance runs, ended up in Leh, Ladakh. You know the car or the the Tata Motors car. It gives you. It makes you. It gives you a means to access your dreams. That's all it's about. You know, it's it's as simple as that. And and that message is resonating with with customers. We we charge a very very fair fair and honest you know price for our cars, but it gives you you know so much more. Uh, so it becomes more than a car; it becomes a member of your family, and uh, and that's what we've seen. Like I said, people have fallen in love, and they don't fall in love with a technology; they fall in love with with an emotion. So that emotional quotient is something which I think will always trump, uh, you know, a pure technology play, because technology will come today and be old tomorrow. But the emotion is something that's very hard for any other company to replace. So, so that's what we focus on. How does the car make you feel as a family, as an individual, uh, when you're driving in, in the beautiful you know, roads of Assam or, 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 or the Thar Desert or Rajasthan or Agra? You know? How does it make you all feel? And, and that's something technology doesn't replace.
1: I, I can completely understand and relate to, uh, uh, to, 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 to the entire visualization that you are trying to sketch uh, on, on our listeners mind. And, and that's, that's supremely beautiful. So Pratap, coming to our last question, at Avantika University, we've coined a term, in fact, it's our philosophy called designering, which is the blended approach of design and engineering. Do you think both these fields actually merge? And does this philosophy uh, make sense in terms of training the next generation of uh, techies and designers?
2: Yes, absolutely. And, and like I said, it's, uh, you know, for me, it would be, you know, design, engineering, like I said, finance, marketing, HR, you know, a, a, a complete designer is someone who understands the, the other ramifications of the business functions. But yes, design, engineering is a, is a good place to start because design and engineering are so intrinsically linked in our development process. Uh, you know, we, we have sort of daily interaction with our engineering colleagues they are the ones who have to actually convert our dream into reality so so you can imagine you know uh, you know we give them a clay model or some digital data and they are the ones who have to ensure it's 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 stampable or pressable or in moldable uh, formable uh, affordable you know so they are the ones who really do the heavy lifting and i think again if you have empathy as a designer and designers should should empathy should be literally a part of a designer's character you know uh, if you can empathize where that engineer is coming from, then I, I see there's there's a way of reducing conflict, and the same has to be of has to be said of engineers. I think they also should understand where a designer's point of view comes from, and I, I think there's always, like I said, that trade-off, that happy medium. Uh, the 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 conflict we see is when they don't know enough about what e- what each person does. You know, that's the, the issue we've had in the past as uh, as designers and, and engineers. So if Avantika has this sort of hybrid, blended, you know, interlocked, whatever you want to call it, that approach is very, very important. And I think stepping into someone else's shoes uh, is, is fundamental in therefore, you know, creating, uh, you know, great partnerships. I can tell you myself, uh, Rohit, you know, on on the seven or eight cars that I have worked on uh, in the in the past, uh, you know, seven eight years, all the new cars. You know, I've had the best the the best outcome has been where the design team and the engineering team have had uh, you know this common goal of delivering the best product for the customer. And you know, it's not about taking positions. Uh, you know, when when a customer sees a product, it's from it's got the Tata badge on it. it that's it. You know, so it can't look beautiful and then not work or it works amazing and looks ugly. You know, it's 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 that one one statement you make jointly as a company. And I think the more design and engineering appreciate and understand each other, uh, the more this will happen. Again, uh, an Apple iPhone or Apple products are prime example, highest quality of design, engineering and manufacturing. Um, you know, and that's why you get a product which creates so much joy in, in, in a customer's hands. So, yeah, very, very good initiative, Rohit.
1: Interesting, Pratap. Thank you so much for validating this. And it was a pleasure speaking with you. I had so many more questions that we wanted to talk to you about. Uh, but unfortunately, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, in the interest of the entire timing of the show, Uh, You know, we have to cut short this conversation, but I'm sure that your LinkedIn followership and uh, people trying to connect you after listening to the show is going to dramatically increase because I'm sure everyone has a lot of questions uh, that they would want to talk to you about.
2: Okay, great. I hope I I have the time to answer them, but I, you know, I do try, I do try and, uh, you know, answer as many questions. In fact, I get almost on a daily basis, you know engineers writing to me saying they want to become car designers or the other way around or you know parents writing to me about their kids so i try and of course you know communicate as much as i can because i think it's part of my my job to do that in a way as a designer so you know i'd be most happy to connect with uh, as many people as i can
1: giving back to the community (laughs) great. thank you so much Pratap, for joining us on our show thank you so much for making time for this it was a lovely hosting you and we look forward to staying connected with you. Thank you.
2: No, what a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot.
0: Hey there, we hope you enjoyed our show. Do write to us on ads at the rate We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hub Hopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter.